Thanks, Bill. That's great. Cool. Good morning, everyone. I've got this new microphone, so I've got hands free again. Is that is that sounding all right? Is it coming through? Okay. Yeah, cool. It's a bit echoey up here where I am. Yeah, that's all right. Cool. Sorry. Yeah, this is the last... Um, message in the rest series so if you haven't been with us and want to catch up we have a podcast there's there's um things on the website as well if you if you want to go back and sort of catch up with any of the messages that we've been doing um but the sort of the core idea is we've been looking at this theme of rest throughout scripture and how it's not really actually that small it's quite a big theme and actually rest is related to faith actually particularly in our culture actually the idea of rest and stopping is quite difficult and can be quite a challenge and quite confronting. Um, and so I've looked at some ways to practice that um, by having a day off and spending time with Father in prayer. And um, Janelle also shared with us and just the idea of experiencing God's rest through his spirit. Um, we were meditating on Psalm 23, which was um, really awesome. But we're kind of taking a little bit of a different track uh, today and talking about rest not just as the, as the idea of stopping but rest more as the idea of satisfaction or being fulfilled because often we we kind of rest and it's kind of nice like we have a bit of a break and there's like a sense of satisfaction but when we really talk about true rest it has these ideas of being fulfilled of being satisfied of, of everything's right in the world in my life and now I can rest. There's this like fuller sense of rest. In some ways, it's kind of linked into our idea of home, or even like when we've come home and everything's right and everything's as it should be, and we just feel fulfilled and satisfied, and the longings that we know we have are met, that there's this deep desire that we have. And often we kind of can't rest, or it can be hard to rest, because that never seems to really get satisfied. Like we have maybe a holiday and it's great, but it's not enough. Or we build a really nice home, but it's not enough. Um, and this is this idea. Um, Tolkien, actually, is that able to get up the back as well? Um, we serve these desires and longings. And um, J.R. Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings, said, we all long for Eden. We actually have these longings and these desires that actually go back to how we were made to be with God in this relationship of intimacy, in the Eden where God dwelt with us, where everything was right and as it should be. And actually, often, we're kind of longing for that. We're kind of trying to make that happen, but it doesn't really seem to happen. We don't really seem to, to get there. And it can look different. Sometimes it might actually look like we're trying to build a home. We, we know we have this longing for home, so we invest our time and energy into maybe a physical house, um, to make the perfect home, to make, have a family, to have this sense of meaning and purpose and rightness. And, and we kind of, we want to satisfy that longing so we kind of can be driven in that direction. And again, there's just, we've sort of been talking a lot about the culture and messages we get in the culture, and that, that comes all the time. Like, like have, you need to get a house, you need to have a home, it, it should look like this, and it needs to be perfect, and then you'll be satisfied. And then you can kind of go that direction. Or it might look different. It might actually look kind of the opposite in that actually the way we'll find satisfaction and rest is going to be out there somewhere. We've got to travel. We've got to explore the world. We've got to go and have an amazing experience in some other place or find some other community. And when we get there, 
then we'll have enough. Then the longings will be satisfied. Then they'll be met. And again, the messaging that we get all the time in advertising, that's what it is. If you go to this place and are sitting in this scene with this sunset, life will be as it should be and you will find rest. But we kind of know that that doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't actually ever quite land. Maybe in little bits, we kind of get glimpses of it. Like, like sometimes the, everything's just right at home and your family's together and it's like there's a sense of rest. Or maybe you're on a holiday and this is this amazing experience and there's a sense of rest. But it's not enough. It doesn't fully satisfy. And in some ways, our lives can kind of look like this constant search, this restless, maybe even anxious, driven search for home, for rest, for fulfillment, for satisfaction. And maybe it's not those things. Maybe like we've been talking about, it's even in work that we, we can't stop working. We need to achieve and get to a certain level and then we can rest. Or it's in consumption or it's in escape. Or it's, but there's this sort of we're at the center of the story and life is our search and journey for meaning. And once we find it, then we'll be satisfied. But the interesting thing is that's not the story of the Bible. <laughs> it's not the story of Christianity or, or, or um, w w the story of Jesus. Actually, we're going to go through, and I'm going to try and do this quick, but basically like a full summary of this theme over the Bible this morning. And actually look, that the story is actually in some ways the opposite. That we think that we're at the center and we're on this search for home. But actually we'll see there's a different story where God is at the center and he's actually coming to make his home with us. And actually, that's what we truly long for. We see this even right at the start in Genesis. That it says, we've been looking at this passage like on the seventh day. Thus the heavens and earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And it said, this is not the idea that God worked really hard and he needed a day off because he was tired. This is God building the world in six days, and, and one, one interpretation I found really interesting of this is that in the ancient Near East, if you're building something in six stages, you're building a temple, and the seventh day, the seventh stage is where the God takes up residence in the temple. It's this idea of rest. The creation's finished, and God now dwells in it. He said it's good. He makes his home there. Tom Wright says it this way, God resting has to do with the creator's enjoyment of his world his celebration of heaven and earth as a dwelling for himself. That when God created, he, he's not a God who just sort of built something and then just is off somewhere else and he's far away. When he made the world, he made heaven and earth to be together, for us to dwell with him in Eden. And he, and he, when he rests, he, he dwells. We know the story that, that humans don't trust him and the world is broken and this relationship of heaven and earth being together is split apart. But we see the story, again, in, in the Bible is not a story of us on a search to find our own rest, but actually God coming to dwell and rest with us. We even see this when God rescues his people Israel from Egypt. He takes them into the wilderness and he talks with them. And we see that God desires to be with his people. He, sa he says this in... Um, so it's the first, first point as we're going through, that he desires to rest in the creation he has made. Then we look at Exodus. He says this to Moses, Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. It's this idea is called a tabernacle, which is the tent the people of Israel would set up, and there'd be priests 
and, and, and God's desire was to be present in his people. He was up the mountain, and he said they can't go up the mountain, but he wants to come down and be with them. And he did, and when he did, it was powerful. It says this in Exodus 40. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. These people out in the wilderness, they built this tent, this meeting place for God, and when everything was right, God comes in power. His presence and his glory fills the tabernacle. The story keeps going, and then the, the Israelites, God's people, enter the promised land, and the tabernacle turns into the temple. And the temple's now this, this meeting place where, in a sense, heaven and earth come together in the temple. That God is present there, and God is everywhere, but God is particularly, specifically present there, and people meet with him. And again, he wants to dwell with his people. You see this when the temple was built in 1 Kings 8. Again, he comes to dwell there. It says this, when the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Then Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have indeed built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. Just like God wanted to dwell in the, in the tabernacle, now he comes to dwell in the temple. It's that God actually wants to be present with his people. And we see this idea that he comes with power and with glory, and there's, there's often wind and there's fire, and he, he comes to be with his people Israel. Interesting, the story keeps going, and we see that then, from, from just like God coming in this glory and this cloud, he actually then comes as a person to dwell and enter the world in Jesus. It says this at the start of John, the word became flesh and made his dwelling with us. That God, it's not that we're running and searching for him and find, find him, he comes to us. The message translation even of this idea of God dwelling says that Jesus um, moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> he came and entered into our world to be with us. He said, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God comes with his glory in Jesus to dwell with us. Again, this famous verse we celebrate at Christmas, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus has come as God with us. This idea of temple then gets transferred to Jesus. There's this thing where Jesus says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. And they said, like, how do you do that? This is take four to six years to, to build. How are you going to raise it in three days? And so Jesus understood that he is now the temple. He was speaking about the temple of his body. Jesus is now the meeting place of heaven and earth where we meet with God. He is the new temple. And when, when he went to the cross... When he died in our place, the, the, the temple, there was this curtain that blocked access to God's presence. And that was ripped. It says this in Matthew 27. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. That in Jesus, God comes and is with us and makes a way for us to enter the temple, the holy place, and dwell and be with God. We see, he comes to dwell with us as a human in Jesus. You see this story, there's this constant theme of it's actually God coming to us. 
He comes to dwell with Israel. He comes in Jesus to dwell with us and to die for us. And then interesting, we even, uh, today's um, Pentecost Sunday, so we're thinking about the idea of the Spirit coming. And Jesus talks about this, that there's even a further way God will be with us by His Spirit. Um, Jesus talked about this to His disciples. He said, Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus talks about being able to send his personal presence with his followers. Then this actually happened. God came. Like, like he came to the tabernacle, he came to the temple, he came in Jesus, he came to his followers. It says this on Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That like God came to the tabernacle and to the temple, God now comes and lives in followers and believers of Jesus. And he's creating this new community. And it's interesting in this story that the communities of people who speak different languages and have different backgrounds, and they come together and they share and they can talk, and God's uniting all these different groups in one, in this new body that he's creating to dwell with. We see this in, in Ephesians. I know I've gone through lots of scripture, but it's just I just want you to get the theme, so don't worry if you're not getting all the specifics. He says this, this idea of we now are the temple comes out in Ephesians. It says this, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building has been joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is Paul talking about the church, believers, that now God comes to dwell in us individually and communally. And actually the church, God's, and not, not the building of the church, but the people of the church, is now the dwelling place of God. That that's his heart, to dwell in and be with his people. We see he actually comes to dwell and rest in us by his spirit and like there was this tabernacle, there's this temple, then Jesus comes. Now we are a new temple, that we are God's dwelling place, that he dwells in us and communally as his people. And that's been his heart. And we can actually know, and in a sense, have this sense of home in his presence. This sense of actually he can touch and, and, and meet us and bring us peace and joy and rest now. But there's also this sense that it's still not enough. And that's because it's not finished yet. There's this satisfaction that comes by his presence and his spirit, but there's still more. And the end of the story is what we read before, when he comes fully. It says this in the end of Revelation. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Again, God's coming down to earth with his people. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. That's the end of the story. 
This is theme of God coming to dwell with us. That's fulfilled in Jesus and by the Spirit, but one day will be fulfilled fully when He fully comes to rest and dwell with His people over the whole earth. There's even this prophecy about this in, in Habakkuk. It says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That one day He will come and He will renew everything and He will dwell over everything and, he, and everything will be right and as it should be. Like John was just talking about, this, this vision we have of eternity, of new creation, of heaven, is when He comes. So we see that He will come to dwell with us and cover the earth with His presence. So we kind of think that we're on this journey to find, to find meaning and to find home. But the biblical story is about God making and restoring His home in us, throughout His people, through Jesus, now by His Spirit, and one day fully when He returns. And actually, that's what we long for. That's what we were made for, for Him to dwell with us and for us to live in Him. God, and this is in a sense the most revolutionary type of resting. God desires to rest, to make His home in us. He desires to come and be with us. The rest that we long for will only be satisfied by His coming to dwell with us. This is our hope. This is what we long for. And it's not... And like we've been saying, like, and even today, like we celebrate that He's come to us by His Spirit. And, and we can know Him and we're this temple now. But the full satisfaction that we desire, the full ultimate rest that we long for, will only be found when He comes, when that's fully renewed. That's actually when the satisfaction, the desire will be met. But it's interesting because we can easily sort of not think that. Again, we kind of lose sight of that. We kind of can easily start to think, well, no, it's, it's when we have the awesome house and the right family and we get to this stage, then we'll be satisfied. Or, or when we have the amazing experience and we sort of have this awesome insight and we, we meet these people, then we'll be satisfied. And, and when we are thinking in that way, we kind of think it's just the next thing that will bring rest. And we can even be like that as, as Christians. Like we can even think, once we have an awesome, amazing church and everyone just feels welcomed and belonging at it, then we will have rest. Then it will be good. Or once I just have this amazing encounter with God, or once I just really have studied and understand Him better, then I will have rest. And we can kind of have a Christian version of this that sort of says, we work and once we get to this level, then we'll be satisfied. Leslie Newbegin talks about this. He says, there will always be the temptation even for those within the Christian community, to find the clue, this is like the clue to satisfaction or to rest, in the success of some project of our own, to see our program, whether of church growth or of human development, as a success story, which is going to give meaning to our lives. It's easy to think, we have a project, we have a desire, we have a goal. When we meet that, life will have meaning, life will have purpose, we'll be satisfied. But he says, the true horizon is not at the successful end of our projects, but in His coming to reign. It's actually not just when we get to the next step. It's when Jesus comes to dwell, to renew, to reign. And in some ways, we kind of, in some ways, we kind of lose sight of that easily. We kind of think we just need to just need a little bit more, and we'll be better. But the biblical story is that we, we know God, and He's with us. But now our job, in a lot of ways, is to wait until He returns. And actually, that's when everything will be made 
bride. We were saying God desires to make his home with us. The rest we long for will only be satisfied by his coming to dwell with us. This is our hope. This is what we long for. But you might be saying, well, I don't know, Tim, I don't know if I really long for that. Like, I kind of just want the house. <laughs> like, I just want the holiday. Like, that's all I'm really interested in. Like, that's, that's kind of really, if I'm honest, that's what I long for. And, and maybe that's true. Or maybe you sort of say, what are you talking about longing for stuff? I don't even really long for anything. Like, I've got enough. I'm good. Like, I'm satisfied. This isn't, what's the problem? And maybe that's, that could be a response to, to what I'm saying today. But maybe a question would be, yes, maybe you might say, well, what I really want is the house or the holiday or the family or, 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 the, or the marriage. But, but maybe behind that, you secretly know that it's not going to satisfy that that because it's happened before where you have kind of and I know this you've had a goal you've had a desire and you think when I get to that everything will be good and it's good but it's not enough it doesn't fully satisfy and and we have that so then we say well it's just a bit more and it's just a bit more and maybe you know like you've had the house you've had the holiday you've had the family and actually the longing's not satisfied yet so why will more necessarily satisfy we might kind of secretly if we're really honest know that actually just getting to that next level is not going to satisfy. And on the other hand, we might say, well, I don't have these longings or desires. I'm just good. Again, maybe we don't want to acknowledge it, but, but maybe that's because we've been disappointed, because we've longed for stuff and it hasn't happened, or there's been, it hasn't satisfied. And we thought that when we get to this level, everything will be good, but it wasn't. So we say, well, I'm just not going to want anything anymore. I'm done with that. I just don't want to long for anything anymore. It's too painful. It's too hard to be disappointed again and again. But if we're honest, we probably still do long. We just don't want to admit it. We don't want it because it's too painful. It's actually hard. But there is a longing and an ache that maybe we're not even in touch with. So, so th there is this there and so what do we do with that? And one thing we can do is simply acknowledge that, that we have longings that only he can satisfy. That, that, that because of who we are, because of how he's made us, because of how we're meant to be in this place with him, we will not be satisfied by anything else but that. And actually acknowledging that can be so helpful. We realize that actually it's not just a little bit more, and actually, it's not that we don't long, we actually do. But that might be quite a difficult thing to acknowledge. That might require even feeling pain and the disappointment, which can be hard. Larry Crabb says this, though, the more honestly we face whatever hurt may be locked inside, the more passionately we can be drawn to the beauty of a lover who responds consistently with all the tender strength our heart desires. People who stay away from their hurt tend to develop a matter-of-fact relationship with Christ. Their energy is released more in ideas, causes, and projects than in relationship. He's talking about if we're made for this relationship with God, maybe actually acknowledging that longing might involve facing pain and facing disappointment, but it's actually good because it actually draws us to him more. Whereas if we just shut it off, it kind of can cut us off from relationship can cut us off from actually connecting with him. We sort of just do other stuff on the side. So actually, there is a need to be honest, actually acknowledge, we actually long for this. 
actually long for Him. And maybe there's disappointment and there's pain, but actually acknowledging that is really important. So one thing is to acknowledge the longing that only He can satisfy. But actually, it's not more stuff. It's not just cutting it off. It's actually we are made for Him. And then if we do that, what we can do is let that turn into a thirst for Him and for His return. If we recognize that actually the rest, the longing, the satisfaction we desire will not be met till He comes, there's actually a freedom in that. And it actually creates a thirst for Him now and a thirst and a longing for His return that actually connects us to Him more. It's actually to let even the pain and disappointment recognize actually it's not till that day that everything will be made right. But there is a horizon, there is hope, and He will come. And actually we can look and long for that day more and more. Again, Larry Crabb says this, the longings of our heart must be faced. The disappointment of our soul must be experienced. Only then will we learn to pant after God in eager anticipation of His coming when every desire will be forever satisfied. It's actually when we face and embrace the longings, we recognize that only He can fulfill them, we actually long for His coming. And it's actually a good thing. That's actually how we're meant to be. That actually things are not right in the world and actually we look to that day rather than kind of just trying to numb the pain or satisfy the desires with our sort of restless pursuit. We look and wait for His coming and His return. Again, like Leslie Newbing said, the true horizon is not at the successful end of our projects, but in his coming to reign. In the sense of what the the, the vision that we are to look forward to is, is not that we'll just get this next thing, but we look to that day. That's the day. That's the vision. That's the horizon. That's where everything's heading. And we actually can look to him. That actually lifts us to him to look and to long and to and to pray. And to seek him. And this is how it finishes. This is how the, the story of the Bible finishes. It finishes with that, with a cry of prayer and longing for this that day, for Jesus' coming, when we will finally have the rest we long for. It says this in Revelation twenty two, seventeen The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. That, that there's a thirst that develops, but there's actually a satisfaction that's available. In him now, there's, 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 a, there's a sense of it now that can grow, but the full satisfaction will be when he comes. And we can actually let that longing even turn into prayer, which again, John, writing Revelation does at the end of Revelation, it says this, he who testifies to these things says, this is Jesus, says, yes, I'm coming soon. And he ends saying, amen, come Lord Jesus. Then it turns into this prayer, this cry for him to come. And that's where we're going to finish, with that prayer, that that horizon of our true rest when he returns. And actually now we rest, now we can stop because he's given us the gift of rest in Jesus. Now we rest because we're not people who just work, we're not slaves, we're people who can actually stop and rest in him. As we rest, we even look to that day, and it's even a symbol of that day, when one time we'll have the rest we long for. But we don't seek to just numb the pain or numb the longing with the things that are here now, but we let it grow into a thirst that will one day be satisfied. That's the true longing of our heart. So... 
Maybe I invite you to, um, if you're able to stand, and we might just pray um, to finish today and to finish the series, and then, then we're going to sing um, together. And again, I just, just recognize that I guess we're talking about some deeper heart things today, and maybe that's even brought up some things um, for you, and I just encourage you to, to bring that to God. Um, maybe that involves even just saying it to Him, expressing a pain or a longing to Him, or expressing a prayer to Him. Um, but while it might be a good idea to talk with someone else, and I'll be happy to talk with people, there's, there's many of you happy to talk as well. So let's, let's pray, and then, then let's, let's just spend time with Him. Yeah, Jesus, we just thank You that the true horizon, um, the true thing that we long for is, is You, and You're coming to dwell and to reign and to renew um, and to be with us forever, where we will be Your people and You will be our God. And we just ask even this morning, God, would you get us in touch with that longing and and grant us a thirst for you? Um, Would we not just just satisfy that with the things of the world, but long for the true satisfaction, the true Eden that's found in you? And Holy Spirit, would you just give us rest, make us restful people who don't need to demand satisfaction now, but can look to that day? Um, And would you just meet with us this morning by your spirit and just fill us more and more? Um, Yeah, we just pray this in your name. Amen.